Hello, Witchy and Weird. I'm here for another episode. I feel like I should always describe, um, I want to describe like, you obviously can't see what I'm doing, but every time I have this, like, it's like that meme, it's like the podcaster urge to pick up the microphone and put it like right in front of my face. Um, And they're designed not to be like that. So apologies. Like I immediately just picked it up and I was like, what am I doing? Put it down, put it down. um welcome everyone happy friday if you're listening to this when it came out when it aired if not happy whatever day it is that you found this podcast i'm really grateful that you're here and that you are now part of the community welcome i did want to share a few things i am really excited to grow this podcast especially this year to like push it out more to create a bigger community to have a bigger following so that I could bring on bigger guests um in the future not saying like I only want to bring on big guests but want to have options right and obviously to like make money because I love doing this and I want to you know sustain that and to feel like it's mutually exclusive or not mutually exclusive (laughs) mutually beneficial for everybody right So with that being said, I would absolutely love it if the best way that we spread word of mouth is the best way we spread information about podcasts is word of mouth. So if you could share this with your friend who you think would like it and, you know, recommend it on your social media pages, um, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, the other thing that would be amazing is to leave a review. If you have an Apple product, you can go onto Apple podcasts and leave a review. Um, hopefully it's five stars. Um, and then on Spotify now, if you just go to our page on Spotify at the very top, you can leave a review. You don't need to write anything for the Spotify one. You just give it a rating. So any of those will help us to reach bigger audiences because, I really feel like what we're doing here, Witchy and Weird, is revolutionary. Um, I know many other people are revolutionary. I don't feel like I'm the only revolutionary, but I'm contributing to it by bringing on and uplifting voices and creating spaces and conversations for change and growth and breaking down systems that really don't serve us. Um, that's part of like my human design and one of my archetypes is the outlaw. So I'm really here for this. I want to reach as many people as possible. So, you know, my inner child is very much so an innocent, like they just don't want other people to suffer in silence, in loneliness, you know, by themselves. So that's really the main reason why I do a lot of things. (laughs) And I love talking, of course, I have like three Gemini placements. Okay, so With that being said, welcome everyone. Thank you for sharing in advance. Thank you for reviewing in advance. I am super, super grateful for you. And of course, if you want to join the Patreon community, um, the link is in our social media bio. It is in this episode notes. It's in every episode notes. Um, We have three different tiers and you get two different, two extra episodes every month. You get journaling prompts, you get one-on-one coaching with me, depending upon which tier you're in. Um, And yeah, I'm going to be removing ads soon from this. So that'll be really nice. 
Okay, anyways, let's get into the episode. I'm here to talk about scarcity mindset. Um, This is like a huge, huge thing that I have. I know in my DNA (laughs) in this lifetime that I have spent a while focusing on. And lately, I've been having a lot of breakthroughs around this. And so I, I feel like this year specifically, I, I shared on my regular page that I'm being called to move out of scarcity mindset very much so. Like all last year was my, the first year I was fully employed by my business. And all last year I spent it worrying in anxiety, overwhelm, everything around scarcity, around fear of not having enough, about things being taken away from me. And that really did like make it obviously like a bajillion times harder And so now that I have this like proof in front of me, like you still were able to pay for everything that you needed to pay for in this entire year, it's, it's allowed my nervous system to relax a bit. And now I'm starting to understand like all the ways that scarcity appears in my life as a program. And so I have been really called to share this because I know that a lot of us have scarcity mindset or some form of it, right? I feel like when we're doing shadow work and we're talking about healing programs like this, um, they can be mixed together. Like I have a little bit of abandonment, a little bit of worthy issues mixed in with my scarcity, um, a little bit of trust issues, right? Like that comes with abandonment, right? (laughs) So I wanted to break it down and talk to you about that. So First off, I do want you like have this like perspective conversation around scarcity. So I know that in the wellness, spirituality, like new age spirituality, we subs- we unsubscribe from all of those things on this podcast, but I know that a huge like thing that they teach is around healing these types of mindsets, healing your worthiness wound, your scarcity, whatever it is, right? And a lot of the time they come out and they say like, it's your fault in, in so many words, right? They kind of say like, you have the power to change everything. And so if you are experiencing this, like you need to change it, which to our egos means, so it's my fault that I've been experiencing this and I'm the reason why I'm unhappy. And then you blame yourself and you judge yourself and shame yourself more. And so I wanted to put this blanket like kind of perspective at the beginning of the episode just to break it down a little bit further than that. It's a little bit of both, right? So understanding that there are many different factors that contribute to our scarcity mindsets. Some of them are internal and some of them are external. And so I wanted to point that out in the beginning that, you know, factors of race, ethnicity, culture, socioeconomic status, capitalism, white supremacy, religion, like there is, um, and even like um, generational, right? Like what generation are we from? What's our culture? What, where do we grow up, right? All of these things can contribute to our scarcity mindset. And the term mindset, like I like to think of it as like a story or a narrative. For me, I'm like a big visionary, like uh, my psychic abilities are very visual. And so by turning things into like stories by like writing or like scripting or like visualizing, I'm able to kind of like change I feel like I have more power and change things. So I like to take terms that feel maybe limiting for people and switch them. So this this idea of mindset, I don't know, it just feels like it's um, only in your mind and it's not. 
And so what we're really talking about is like shifting our program, shifting um, like our story, right? Like, because I don't know, for me, you know, like shout into the void and maybe I'll psychically hear it (laughs) when you're listening to this episode. (laughs) Um, If this feels true for you too. But like, if I say it's a narrative or a story, that means that I can write and change it, right? If I say that it's a mindset, it feels like to me because of the negative connotations around like the coaching and new age industries, it feels more of a struggle for me that it's just something wrong with my mind versus if I say it's a story or a narrative. So I want to challenge you and invite you to shift that. Um, I mean, obviously, like for the podcast, like episode name, I put mindset because that's going to be more um, like understandable, easily understandable for people, right? So it's like gotcha journalism. (laughs) If any of you watch Parks and Rec, gotcha. <laughs> I love Joan Calamazzo. Um, Okay, so understanding that there are external and internal factors, right? And the point of what I'm talking about in this episode about like healing scarcity mindset, I'm not saying that you caused these things or that you brought these things into your life based off of your mindset, right? That's why I kind of want to say it's like a narrative. So really what we're looking at is these are factors that contribute to my story, right? These are things that have happened that contribute to my story. So in a hero's journey, they have their internal struggle and they also have their external struggle of the villain, right? The villain is an external factor that is out of their control and that they learn with their internal gifts to overcome, right? So that's kind of how I'm posing it. It's really to be aware of what contributes to this so that when we're healing, we can say, you know, I understand how this affected me. I'd understand how this created a program. I understand how I was believing in this, right? So it helps us to gain perspective um, on how we're feeling towards ourselves and our life or how we're like running our lives, our day-to-day, how it's affecting us um, based off of where and what the circumstances are. So when it comes to healing, scarcity. Um, I want to have you look at your scarcity story, right? Like what is uh, your scarcity story? And so this is like the macro version where we're scaling out and we're observing instead of blaming. We want to remove like, we kind of like, that's also what I liked about the term story, right? In stories, there's different point of views that a story can be told from. So in this point of view, we're going to come from the omniscient or the omnipotent, like point of view like we are the god or other outside character that is not in the story and we are just viewing everything from a bird's eye view right so when we're looking at our scarcity story we want to look at these factors that may have contributed to it to that make up our story that fabricate our story right so where did you grow up what was your culture what was your religion like what was your parents, you know, what generation did they come from? What, you know, like things like that. So I'm going to use my story uh, to kind of show you what I mean by this, because it does take a little bit of thinking. Um, It's okay if you sit down to write this and nothing, not everything comes all at once, right? Um, Like I said, now that I've spent this entire last year (laughs) 
like freaking out and worrying. Now I'm starting to realize a lot of these things because I've shifted and allowed more spaciousness in my body around this. I'm not fully like freaking out and living in the scarcity, like fear. I'm a little bit out of it or I'm realizing that I can pull myself out of it. And I'm now seeing a lot more like how this, you know, these making these connections in my story. And it doesn't mean that you can't do this if you're still in your scarcity fear, right? Like that's that's just something that personally for me that I'm starting to get this more now. Um, so my scarcity story definitely has a ton of generational stuff, right? So it's important to note that some stuff doesn't really pertain to you at all. It can be a product of generations. It can be something that was indoctrinated into your ancestors and now they, you know, pass that on to you either genetically or, um, you know, just by like exhibiting it and passing it, you know, like if I, if I'm hurt about something, then I'm gonna, you know, act out at the person next to me and then they're gonna be hurt about that same thing, right? That's how like these cycles, that's how we get generational cycles. Um, and it's also passed over in our DNA and genetically, and that is scientifically proven. Um, we've talked about that many times, so I don't want to keep bringing that up. But um, yeah, so I definitely have a lot of generational stuff. So I'm Jewish, right? I am, both sides of my family were um, European Jews that, you know, they came over to the U.S. to escape the Holocaust. And that, you know, as as a society, as a Jewish collective, like, we have this weird principle. And well, it's not, maybe it's weird to other people, but it's like, if one person hurts, we all hurt, right? So that's why Jewish guilt and, like, and all that is like a very real thing because that's how like that's my religious upbringing right like that's the belief it's like we all are suffering together not in a bad way I just that's the reality of it so I definitely have like the generational scarcity as a Jew right like the scarcity of not feeling safe in a space uh the scarcity of not feeling um safe to be who you are to practice um, that you won't be ousted of the place where you were living, which like over history, like Jews have had that right for since the <laughs> since our Torah was written. Um, and, you know, generationally as a Jew, like in the micro stories, like knowing maybe if you can your ancestral um, stories. So like my grandma on my dad's side, like her family died in a fire in New York. And so she has like survivor's guilt, right? That scarcity of like, I I don't have stability. I don't have safety. My family could die at any time. Um, and, and like, I need to turn to whatever can make me feel stable um, in the moment, which usually that's why scarcity is tied to money, right? Because money is a big factor of what makes us feel safe and supported and cared for and spacious in, uh, in our capitalistic society, right? That's what drives capitalism is money. So, you know, my grandma grew up valuing money over everything because that's what made her feel safe. And that is the generational cycle that now my dad's side of the family, him and his four siblings all have, and they carried on to us, right? So I definitely know that there's a lot of generational scarcity and lack mentality for very real reasons there. Um, and then, you know, like more on the micro level of like, I grew up with my mom and her um, husband. I didn't grow up with my dad. 
Um, and I call him her husband because he was a huge source of trauma for me. So I don't like to call him my stepdad. I reject that title. Um, and so, you know, income, like our income bracket contributed to the scarcity mindset, right? Like if you don't have enough money to pay for everything, if you don't have enough money to live comfortably, you have to sacrifice your needs, sacrifice somewhere, right? And so when I grew up, we had that scarcity of like, you better make sure you use everything. Don't let stuff go bad in the fridge. You better, you know, eat whatever is on your plate. Um, don't be wasteful, right? Like we had the scarcity of, you know, using clothes even when they weren't the best quality, um, keeping things even if they were broken because you could change them into other stuff. Like there's a lot of way that scarcity can be exhibited, right? So I grew up with the scarcity, uh, especially around income. Like I didn't realize this was like not normal until I got older. But, you know, I saw my mom would always talk about like, we don't have money for that. We don't have money for this. We don't have money for that. But yet it was confusing to me because we still had money. Like I still got like, you know, some some nice things like I had a PlayStation or whatever. But, you know, if I wanted new clothes, that would be my birthday gift. So there was like we weren't extremely poor and we had financial help from other family members. Um, and that's why we weren't poor, but, um, we didn't, we weren't like, oh, we have everything. Right. My mom was like, you can only buy, um, stuff if it's on sale. Um, you can't buy name brand stuff. Like we definitely had, I learned a lot of these things. And so when I would get birthday money from family members or whatever, I just immediately internalized this responsibility of the scarcity like in our family that now I'm responsible for myself that I should never ask my parents for money because I know that we don't have enough and so I would save my birthday money and use it strategically instead of being a reckless kid who could just buy whatever they wanted right so that's like kind of ways that like I saw scarcity is like not having enough money not having enough of what you need and so I have to be more responsible from a younger age instead of just being a child and taking care of myself, never asking for help, right? That also contributes to like hyper-individualism, right? Where you're like, I can't rely on anybody else. There's a scarcity of support for me, right? So I have to do this all on my own and I can't say anything about it. Um, I also mentioned in the beginning abandonment issues. Like I have huge, huge abandonment issues, Um my on my father like my parents got divorced when I was like one um and then I didn't see my dad for like three years in my childhood um from like seven to like ten thereabouts and I'm not super good with like dates and things because that's like a product of traumas not remembering everything fully it kind of just like lumps together but I have huge abandonment issues around that my dad not wanting to be around me not wanting to see me not wanting to be there for me and then eventually he didn't want to pay for child support well he he never really paid for child support and you know like my mom would be like very transparent about those things um and so I learned all these things from a young kid like oh my dad doesn't love me. I'm not good enough. You know, like I, uh, my family member is like not stability for me. It's scarcity. Right. So, and then in college, my mom, um, moved away out of state and that was a huge like trigger for my abandonment issues as well. Right. So I know that I still have abandonment issues up until this day. Um, and that contributes to my scarcity of feeling like, 
my relationships and the people who I think that I should trust or that society tells me are the only ones that I could rely on, right? Um, they're not stable. They're not always going to be there. They are limited, right? So, and then my own personal traumas around scarcity, right? All of these things contributing. I I have my own like ways, you know, my, how do I want to word this? My own personal traumas, that can be like stuff that specifically just happens to you. Like maybe um, something gets taken away from you. Like when I was a kid, I had a um, security blanket and my dad and his um, new wife that he remarried, they just decided when I went to go visit on the weekend randomly that I was too old for this blanket and they took it away from me, right? So these are like different ways that scarcity can like that was hugely traumatizing because that's like one thing that I have for comfort in my crazy traumatic household. And now it's gone, especially in the place where like, I, this is like a lot of details (laughs) about my life, but like, I did not like uh, my dad's new wife. She was very abusive to her children and to me. So not feeling safe. Right. And then your security is taken away. That's like a sense of scarcity. So learning that you can't trust people because they, contribute and they make scarcity for you um that you can't be safe even in your own like parents home so there that's like an example of like a personal trauma that can come up that's specific to your life right like your lifetime that's not generational or societal right so with society larger like you know and this you know any american more or less i can't speak for other countries because i don't live there (laughs) But any American, more or less, is going to all have the same, like, scarcity stuff happening to them as well, right? So capitalism, the system that we live in here in America, basically, from a young age, tells you there's not enough money in the world. There's there's a scarcity of money. Like, there's limited resources, right? Like, we're consistently told that. So we grow up thinking that and we grow up thinking, okay, so who gets all the money then if it's limited? And depending upon, like I said, your race, your socioeconomic status, your culture, where you grew up in America, um, you'll hear from society that, you know, you're not allowed to be rich. You're, you can only make a certain amount of money, right? That's a scarcity mindset. Like, so you, so you're telling me I'm never going to be able to make enough money to support my, my dreams and my desires. No, you know, and working in the, the capitalistic structure, especially, you know, in today's age, it's like, you can work a blue collar job, you can work a customer service job, but you're never going to make enough money, right? That's a scarcity ideal that we're, and that's the truth, right? That it doesn't, the living wage is not actually living. <laughs> it's like the scraping by wage, the, the barely surviving wage, right? So that's definitely, you know, societal ways that we can learn scarcity. Um, and those can be you know, mapped onto pretty much anything. Like if you're female identifying or have a, you know, a female body and you grew up um, being raised as a female, um, you'll learn scarcity about safety, right? Like scarcity of power. You don't have the ability to make these decisions. You don't have these rights. You're not safe around these people, right? So there's many different ways and many different factors that can contribute to our scarcity story. So 
I used my story, obviously, as an example, right? Um, because, I don't know, I just felt like that was the best way. I want to be more transparent on the podcast. So you can kind of see that it's very nebulous. It's a huge web. And that's why I've been saying, like, the more I've been, like, creating, like, safety in my body and in my home, the more I'm able to, like, see these these new connections in the web, right? So once you have kind of like an understanding of your scarcity story, what's the next step? You're like, cool. So I know certain things, like, what do I do with them? Like, how do I, what's the point of this? Right. So definitely like, I'm always reminded, it's really funny. Um, in spirituality, like ever since I started my journey, I've always been reminded of that saying, it's a famous saying, it's like GI Joe's motto. And it's like, knowing is half the battle. And my dog's about to drink water. So if you hear that, sorry. Um, and I really feel like it's very relevant um, because in shadow work, the idea is that we're pulling things from our subconscious, our shadow into our conscious. And so once we understand and know these things, then we can work with them, make them feel safe, work around them, get rid of them. So I would say like, depending upon the scarcity program that you're like running, um, you choose, like, what do you want to do with it? Right. So do I like if it's an external factor like capitalism, maybe that's not something that you can get rid of. Right. (laughs) If it's an external factor like racism. Right. Like that's not something that you can just be like, I'm going to get rid of racism and it's never going to be there ever again. So certain things like you can choose how you want to deal with them. Like, let's say like my personal uh, abandonment issues, I can heal through those, right? And maybe I'll be able to get rid of them in this lifetime. Maybe I'll be able to get to a point where I feel safe about them, where I'm not as triggered about them. If it's something more external like capitalism, you can choose like maybe you have chosen a path like me where you now are your own business owner. So that removes a large portion of capitalism from your life. Um, but also just understanding, knowing, being able to know how it affects you, right? Like that's why I said knowing is half the battle. Once you understand and you you pull these things into your conscious mind, then you can say like, oh, it's not my fault, right? It gives you permission and it gives your power back. And that's a huge thing. So you're able to say, actually, no, I did nothing wrong here. This is just a product of the society that I grew up in. And that alleviates a lot of the judgment and shame around why am I like this why is this affecting me why am I attracting this and it's like well this is just the reality of it or it's like okay yeah now I see where this comes from and now I can work to heal it now I can work to make my myself feel safer around this make myself feel supported around this to remind myself that this doesn't have to be the reality for me so now you get to choose like what do I want to do with this part of my story? Do I want to rewrite it? Do I want to amend it? Do I want to delete it? Do I want to, you know, ameliorate it? Whatever it is, um, you can choose based off of the situation, right? Um, And the other thing that I would suggest in terms of healing with um, the scarcity story is looking, now that we see the the macro, we see our story from a macro level, 
Um, now we can zoom in and look at our life on a micro level and where we are exhibiting these programs. Now that we're aware of the programs, maybe we've chosen certain ones that we want to heal, certain ones that we don't, whatever it is. Now you can look at the micro and say like, okay, I understand that I have this program, but where am I exhibiting this in my everyday life? Where is this showing up for me in my everyday life? And that can help you to get rid of it, to heal it, to do whatever you decided to do with it, right? So some examples of this. Um, you know, I, I really like that saying, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so looking at how we treat ourselves, how we move in our home, how we are using things can really illuminate a lot about our scarcity story and the programs that we are currently still running in our scarcity story. So before we talk about these, I do want to note these behaviors, what's important about noticing and observing from a non-judgmental, from that omnipotent um uh, perspective, right? We're supposed to be zooming out and looking at our behaviors from that way. We're just observing them. We're not judging why we do them or, or oh, see, I knew you did this, you know, like telling yourself like, this is why you, you don't have nice things because blah, blah, blah. like, that's like, that's not what we want. <laughs> what we want to do is to look at it from that non-judgmental observing space as much as possible. And then when you look at how you do certain things in your in your daily life, and I'll give examples, I just want to say this stuff first, then you'll have the ability to, what's really important is not how you do the thing or like what is happening. What's really important is to note the motivation behind that thing. And so I'm actually going to take a break because the thing is close to... <laughs> 30 minutes. Um, I can only record 30 minutes at a time on the Anchor app. <laughs> so I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I'm going to start like talking more about how you can look at the micro stuff. Okay, I'm back. So what I was saying about the micro is it's less important about what it is that you're doing, um, how you're doing the thing that you're observing. And it's more important to look at why. What is the motivation behind what you're doing? So for an example, you know, one of the big ways that we can see in our daily life that we are operating out of scarcity is like by using every single last drop of an item. Now, this could or could not be scarcity mindset because let's say you're making like cookies and you make the cookie dough and you scrape every single little drop of the cookie dough out of the bowl. Maybe the motivation is not scarcity, right? Like I don't want you to just hear these rules or these examples and be like, oh, this is how I'm exhibiting scarcity. Maybe it's not. So if you are like scraping out every little last drop of the cookie dough in the bowl because you're actually eating it because like it's so delicious that you want to eat the raw cookie dough bits that's left over like I love doing that that's not really like operating out of scarcity mindset right the motivation is because it was super delicious and I wanted to eat every little single last piece <laughs> um there's a difference between that or like you know in the ketchup thing and it's like oh I can't get every little single last drop out of the ketchup thing why because I was just taught that we need to finish everything fully you know before we can throw it away and get a new one. Maybe that's a motivation out of scarcity, right? So 
usually if it's like a motivation out of fear, out of lack, out of scarcity, that's going to be an indication to you that it's scarcity related. So for me, like I would do this, I realized I would do this like with the more expensive, like items that I would deem more expensive. Um, So like my shampoo, like I, I, I spend good money on like nice shampoo. And so when the shampoo's at the bottom, I would like have it just like in, you know, like this is like, you know, it's out of scarcity when you do this. Like it was towards the bottom and it's like one of those pump ones. And, you know, like the pump doesn't always reach the sides, especially for like stuff that's like, like shampoo where it's not going to like flow. It'll stick to the sides and stuff, right? Like, or like conditioner and stuff. I literally would have the pump in the shower with, and then like during the shower, I would unscrew the pump part turn it over and like be standing there for like five minutes in the shower like hitting it like a ketchup bottle to get all the little pieces out or like put a little bit of water in it swirling it around and getting it all out and it's like at that point my scarcity programming is like now affecting my like my life in a and it may seem like oh it's not a big deal right so we spent five extra minutes but it's like that's like something that I'm doing out of lack out of fear clearly because if it like for me it's very it was very annoying like I hated fucking standing there in the shower like hitting thing like every single time right so it's like if if it's a behavior to the point where it's like adjusting how you would normally do things if it's like shifting your habit out of this like lack or fear belief then it's likely scarcity mindset, right? So then I realized, like, why am I standing here in the shower, like, trying to get every little single last bit? It's because it's expensive and I didn't want to, like, you know, have to buy another one. I wanted to keep stretching it longer and longer. A lot of people do this, like, with soap, right? Like, watering down the soap when it gets to the bottom. Just get a new soap. Like, why? What's the motivation behind watering it down? Like, is it because it's back order and you can't get it? Okay, maybe that's a little different, right? You're trying to stretch it, but it's like, uh, I don't know. I just don't want to buy another one. I don't want to have to buy a new one. Well, that's probably like a scarcity mindset, right? Like I don't have enough of my needs met. I don't have enough resources to live comfortably. I now have to like bend over backwards to do something to, you know, create more of this um, product in my life. So that's why I want to say like, understand your motivation behind the act. So if you're doing it out of a place of fear or maybe just like a program, right? Like I'm doing it because I was I was taught that, right? Then and ask yourself like, do I really want to do this? Do I do I truly care about this? Why am I doing this? Then that's gonna illuminate whether or not it is a scarcity like thing. And so, you know, just understanding and observing yourself and seeing like how I was like, okay, seriously, why am I spending five minutes in the shower trying to get this conditioner out of the bottle when I can just buy a new conditioner, like? Once I realized that, it's like, oh, I'm giving myself permission. I'm giving myself space to not be um, in that program, right? Like running that loop. I can now remove myself from that loop and say like, it's okay. It's okay. I can buy a new one. I have enough money to buy a new one, right? Like I don't need to hyperfixate on this small thing out of my programming. I can get out of the cycle. And so just by doing that, like that's healing because you're now intentionally looking at the way that you are interacting with your home, with your life, with yourself and seeing like, how am I like showing myself that I'm not worth this? How am I saying that I will never have enough money for this? How am I saying I will never have enough safety or comfortability? And these are ways that you're doing it, right? Like these are physical actions that you're taking 
And so when you recognize these, you can choose to like unsubscribe from them and not perpetuate that cycle. And in doing so, you're retraining your body and your cells and you're showing up for yourself and you're saying, no, actually, I'm choosing to believe that I will have enough of this. I can just buy another conditioner. It's okay. You're, you're choosing like I'm worth you know, like having a shower that isn't aggravating. Like that is important to me. That's more important than like scraping the little bits that are left. So in changing the actions, you know, as humans, having a ritual, some physical action always makes it easier for our brain to get behind it. That's why I said it took me a year of physically making money and physically paying my bills to look back and to see that despite my anxiety and fear, I still did that. I needed the physical, like the receipt, right? I needed the receipts. So a lot of the time, like, especially if it's a deeper trauma or wound, like your ego is really going to struggle with that. And so having a physical thing that changes how you're interacting with your space, that changes your story um, intentionally is going to be part of the healing too. So um, other ways that we, I'll just give other examples that I've done (laughs) Um, and like some intuitive ones that have come up too. Like this one, like I'm low-key embarrassed about, like, right? Like if, if it's something that you're like embarrassed about, then like maybe that too could mean it's contributed to scarcity mindset. I mean, not every single time, but you know, like if it's something that you're embarrassed about because it's just ridiculous, like why was I doing this? Then maybe, yeah, I would say that's another motivator, like to look like if you were to tell somebody about this, would you get embarrassed? This thing that you're doing, right? Um, Maybe it's hard for you to um, understand the motivation behind it and like be like, if I tell my friend, would I be embarrassed about this? Right? Or maybe somebody who you know has like similar upbringing, they might be like, oh yeah, I do that too. Like maybe that's a good confirmation for you that it is out of scarcity. Because if you're thinking about your friend's life, it might be easier to observe somebody else's life in your mind. Don't actually like judge them. (laughs) Um, And to be like, oh yeah, that probably is out of scarcity. Oh, I do it too, you know? Um, But if you're like embarrassed because it's like silly or you're like other people probably don't do this, but I do this, then maybe that's a sign that it's also out of like scarcity too. I would say, you know, like tread lightly around this because you don't want to like blame yourself and be like, oh, I'm embarrassed for this thing because some stuff like society shames us into being embarrassed about. And like that might not be the case, right? Like it's just, it's not scarcity. It's just societal like indoctrination. So this one I was low-key embarrassed about, but you know, it is what it is. So this is like a really good example of what I was talking about of like the motivation behind it. And if it's like making your life harder or it's not better for you, then it's likely out of scarcity because you're doing it out of like this lack, like I have to sacrifice something, right? Like if I'm sacrificing one thing to have this, then it's usually out of scarcity, right? Instead of having it all, you're sacrificing. That's what scarcity is about. Um, So like the example that we talked about with the um conditioner I was sacrificing having a peaceful like easy shower for like having the conditioner right instead of just buying a new one so this one I realized recently and I was like yo this makes a lot of sense so I will well I don't do it anymore I used to use like less than the recommended amount for things because I felt like I would stretch it for longer Um, and I did this in a few different ways. So one way that I did it was like with, um, 
like skincare products, like stuff that I said was like more expensive. Like I would use if it said like use like um like one squirt or whatever. I would do like half a squirt or something and be like, oh, I can extend it for more than it says. Like because I spent like $60 on this bottle that I'll be able to extend this so that it will last longer, right? And the idea is like, if you if you do that naturally, like if you find like, I actually don't need that much. That's cool. I'm extending it. That's different motivation, right? My motivation was like, instead of using the amount that I probably should have been using, that would have like actually made the product work for me and for my skin. I was using less and it wasn't like fully covering my skin. Like it wasn't, it was a sacrifice, right? Like I'm sacrificing my skin's health, my skin care for, you know, saving money. That was the, the, the decision, the choice that I was making. Like if you imagine like I was weighing either on the scale, right? When in all reality, my life would have been easier if I used the recommended amount because my skin would have liked it more. It wouldn't have been like, oh, you get a little bit of moisture instead of like you get the moisture you need. And then probably my skin was like breaking out more. It wasn't happy because I was like forcing it to be like, no, you have to use less than what you actually need or what you actually want. Um, or is recommended out of the fear of like, oh, well, I'm going to have to buy another thing in like three months. I'll stretch it out so it'll be for six months, right? Um, that's not the one that was embarrassing for me. The one that was embarrassing is like, I would do this for toilet paper. Like, instead of like using like three squares of toilet paper, I would use like one square of toilet paper. And it's like, that's like low key, like that's dangerous, right? Like if you don't wipe well enough, especially if you have female parts, <laughs> if you don't wipe well enough, you can get a UTI really easily. You can get an infection. And so like I was sacrificing my health, right? Like I was sacrificing my like, like care and hygiene for my reproductive organs out of like, oh, well, I don't want to use the toilet paper so quickly and have to buy more. Like, that is, like, ways, like, very micro-nuanced ways that scarcity can seep into our life. And we might not be aware of it, right? Like, we might literally just, like, go through the rest of our life doing that thing. But it's, like, it actually makes my life easier if I use three squares, right? Like, my hand is clean. I can now, like, I, oh, you know, it's, like, I don't want to get too much into bathroom talk on this, but it's like, if you use one square, there's less like space, you know, like paper in between your hand and what you're wiping. That's all I'm going to say, but you get what I'm saying. So it's like, there's, there's ease, more ease in my life. There is more spaciousness. There's more comfortability. That is like the goal, right? So thinking about what the opposite of scarcity is for you. Um, and like really leaning towards that, that's going to help you create like new, um, rules, new programs to run. Maybe it's like as easy as like, I'm just going to stop doing this. Um, but maybe it's something more nuanced, right? Like maybe it's not like a physical thing that you're doing. Then thinking about like, okay, so if I'm doing this out of scarcity and it's not really serving me, so what what is the goal, right? Like what is the thing that I'm feeling has um, the scarcity tied to it? Like how I was saying, is it scarcity of money? Is it scarcity of safety? Is it scarcity of time, right? Especially in capitalism, scarcity of time is a huge deal. Um, that's one that I'm really being called to understand this year. Um, and so if, if I feel like I have a scarcity of time, how can I create more spaciousness in my schedule, in my mind for time? So for me, like a big 
one, like since I work for myself, I make my own schedule, yet I still wake up every day and, and operate under like the capitalistic structure that I used to work in of like no time. You need to be stuck to a time schedule. If you're not doing this, you're behind already, right? Like all these like overwhelming anxiety inducing things are running through my head every day. And I just feel like I'm going through my daily routine, like, ah, like running around, like with the chicken, you know, whose head was cut off. And so it's like, what can I do to create more spaciousness? Like maybe I, um, you know, I'm still figuring this out, but it's like, maybe if you feel like time is scarcity, just simply reminding yourself, getting somebody who can be there. Like yesterday I was feeling that way. And I just reached out for help. I told my boyfriend, I was like, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. And he was like, you did enough today. You did like things that people, you did like five things that people can only do one of those things in a day today. Like, especially if you have ADHD, this is like a huge thing because like with ADHD, it's like some days you're just like, can't do anything or can't focus. And some days, like when you get like your hyper focus, then you can do like 70 things in a day. And if you have like that scarcity of time, that productivity, capitalistic programming, then you feel like, oh, well, I know that I can do 70 things in one day because I've done it many times before. So now I feel like I'm not doing enough when I've only done two things today, right? Like that understanding like these scarcity like programs that are running in our mind and how they can like affect our thought process too like oh now I'm feeling like I never do enough because I've seen myself do too much in one day and I know that I can achieve that level if I'm really focused and that's part of like my ADHD magical powers but should I be really doing that every single day is that something I actually want to do every single day and I've gotten to the point where I'm like no I don't want to do this but the program is still like running there. So that's why I was like, ah, I'm freaking out. I'm going to reach out for some perspective, some grounded perspective. And my partner was like, you've done like a lot today. Like you, you're fine. Like you cannot do anything for the rest of the day. Like it's okay. And like, you know, he helped me while I was like sitting down and like taking deep breaths and like regulating my nervous system to get back from the overwhelm feeling, but also understanding like the scarcity of it. Like, he's like, you did a lot. You did stuff that people can't achieve in all in one day. Like, that's okay. You know? So like, if you have somebody that can help you with that, if you make reminders in your phone, if your phone screen, you know, like setting up, you know, when you're having that meltdown part, um, the triggering like part, setting up a system that will support you. The other way is like, you know, when you understand that shifting your schedule, if you can around, you know, creating that time for yourself. So like ways that I've been doing that, you know, asking myself, do I actually want to get up at this time and start my day right away? Or do I want to create like spaciousness where like I can do whatever I want, I can read, I can stretch, I can work out, I can do these other things first that make me feel more grounded and centered instead of like, ah, like running around. So that's like another way besides just like understanding the behavior and stopping the behavior. Maybe it's something where you just are consistently spiraling inside of this cycle and it's hard for you to get out. So it's like now I need to set up structures or things that support me and help me to get out of this, you know, cycle slowly. Um, because, you know, some people, they might try it and immediately they're, they're good. Some people like me, they take more time because it's a deeper thing. 
Um, and it's also tied to ego too, right? Like the scarcity of time. It's like, oh, you're not doing enough. You're not, you're not productive. You don't deserve things. It's tied to worth then, right? So these can be, like I said, very nebulous. They can be like overlapping with different like types of, um, negative mindsets, um, negative stories. Uh, so like understanding that it's going to take time. So don't try and shift everything all at once. Do small things. Okay. I'm going to shift my time that I wake up now that I feel comfortable with that. Now I'm going to, um, you know, set, um, like a work, like a clock, quote unquote, clock in time for a little bit later. Okay. Now, now I'm comfortable with that. Now I'm going to fill that extra time with a task that makes me feel spacious, that makes me feel supported, you know, like, okay, now I'm comfortable with that. Now I can move on to the next thing. Okay. Now I'm going to take my end time for the day and move it up by an hour. Okay, now I'm comfortable with that, right? So going at your own pace, breaking it up into smaller things, especially if you have ADHD, that helps if you feel overwhelmed by a task to break it up into smaller things um, so that your body has the time and the space to integrate that into its nervous system, into its cells. Because if you're running on this program for, let's say, 20-something years, and then you decide like in one day that you want to change it, your body is going to freak out. Because even though it's not a system that is beneficial to you and your life and your well-being, it's still a system that you're comfortable with. And your ego prioritizes like um, comfortability and normalcy and um, familiarity over unknowns and change, right? So if it, if this is something that you're used to, even though it's like a bad habit, your ego is going to freak out. So you need to give it the time and the space to feel supported around this and to feel like comfortable with it. So sometimes that means taking smaller chunks of it and until it's fully integrated. And honestly, like it's going to be more sustainable that way if you take smaller steps because you you'll you'll be used to doing these things and so now when it comes time to fully switch over you're not going to, you'll have the the muscle memory built up in your cells and your body, right? In your mind too. So you'll be able to sustain it for longer. That's why like those like detox diets and things don't work and the people lose weight and then they gain it back versus if you just, they say like, just eat right and exercise and sleep and you know, all that stuff. Like over time, it'll take longer for you to get to the body that you want or the health that you want but it's more sustainable because now you've been doing it for like, you know, 60, 90 days as opposed to a 10 day diet. Right. So there, there's, there's science, science behind this, right. That's kind of what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, so look at, start with, um, the like physical things that you're doing, then maybe think about those things that you feel a lot of like overwhelm or anxiety or pressure around, um, like routines, like how I was saying, like time, scarcity of time, right? Like that's maybe a less tangible thing. But then when you understand it, now you can see like, oh, I see all the ways that I feel like I don't have enough time for something. Um, so then you can start to break down like those more, I guess, ethereal things. Um, and the last thing I've talked about this a lot on the podcast is you know, rewriting the story. So I think this metaphor of like the story is really powerful. Um, And 
you can actually like physically rewrite the story. So ways that you can do this, there's different ways that you can journal around this. Um, a big one that I talked about a lot is like the shoulds, right? I should do this. I should do that. I should do this. So if you're writing down all the things that you have scarcity around, re like I said, redefining what you want it to be and writing it down, like making it into like a law. Like I know like for manifestation, writing things down is like a really powerful way to manifest because you're literally like scripting a story, right? And you're telling the universe this is going to happen and then it happens. This is like similar where it's like, I'm going to shift from this to this. And it doesn't need to be immediate, but it's just holding that intention in your mind and writing it down on the piece of paper. Like I said, people, humans like real things, tangible things. So if you write it down on a piece of paper or if you put it in a sound bite and then you listen it back, you know, back to it every day or something, your mind is is going to be like, okay, we put this out there. We set it in stone in in a manner of speaking. And so like now you're you're being more cognizant about it and you're going to be more intentional and aware of it, right? As opposed to just saying, oh yeah, in your head, I'm going to I'm going to focus on that and then like there's no like follow through, right? So you could just like simply write a new rule for yourself and follow it and like reflect back on it multiple times. You can write down like a system, like I said, if it's a slower process, what you're going to do, how long you're going to do it for, when you're going to check in and, you know, kind of like adjust it because we don't want to like be like, oh, it's been three months and I haven't done it. Oh, I'm terrible. Like just adjust it. Things happen. Um, You can do you can do it like that way. And like I said, I love to do like the visualization stuff where I'm like literally visualizing it. So like maybe even like writing an actual story like writing how you want it to be in great detail like I you know uh, it can go two ways sometimes I like to think about like where it is now and where I want it to go like seeing the transformation happen I feel like that is a little bit like on the slower end um sometimes my ego will get in the way for that one so just be careful with that or you could just write it as if like you're manifesting like in the present. So it's like, I now do this. I am really comfortable with this. I have found ways to cope with this, right? Like, so this one, like I said, it's, it depends on how you work with manifestation and how you're feeling with like believing, because we don't want to go from zero to 60. Um, Sometimes, like I said, that's hard for our ego to get there and to feel that. So if you want to take the first step, like I now do it this way instead, or I now feel this way instead, or believe this thing instead, and like feel how that feels in your body, right? Um, And or you could just do like the this is the new reality, and I'm writing that story as if it were the new reality, and I'm I'm you know um, sealing that like that's kind of like how you do timeline jumping, right? Um, And there was one other thing that just popped up in my head, and now it's gone. Oh. Another, like, another layer that you can do is to read it out loud. Um, and this is really good if you're like, I'm not sure how I work for manifestation. Like, I don't know. Like, I've never tried it. Write it out as if it's already what you want the end goal to be. How, you, like, from what you what it is now, you're reflecting, what do I want it to be, right? Like, you write out that in great detail as if it's for real. Or maybe you're just writing the rule out. Say it out loud. And listen to like your body when you say it out loud and notice like if there's like tightness if there is like this feeling like I don't believe that if there is like um resistance I don't want to do that like no that's not going to happen like listen to the response that your body has and your mind has to it and that'll reveal a, a lot about like 
maybe where you're starting off or like what needs to be adjusted or paid more attention to. Um, For me, when I do stuff like that, like the first time when I read it out loud, it'll be like very unconfident. My voice is kind of shaky. And so I'll like keep repeating it until I feel like more confident about it. Like that helps me. The repetition is like, no, this is real. I'm going to do it. I'm getting behind it. It's like um, like a coach hyping up a team, right? Before like, before the game. Um, and like, it'll show you like, okay, so I'm really feeling like this part is not true. So then you can start to see where the, um, where maybe the deeper root of the scarcity comes from or where the resistance in your body and your cells is coming from. And then you can give that like extra attention, extra care, extra time. Um, that's like a really like, I don't know. I feel like it's like a a life hack. Like it makes everything easier. It's like write it and read it out loud. And then you'll see like, oh, I'm not feeling like I'm not feeling 100% behind it. My energy is not 100% behind this. And that like reveals a lot about where the work lies or where the deeper root comes from. Because maybe you just do like the toilet paper thing. You're like, I'm going to change it. And then you're saying, you're like, that's not a big deal. But like, when you read it out loud, you're like, oh, I feel where the fear is sitting in my body around this. And then maybe it triggers like a memory from childhood. And you're like, oh, that's where it comes from. You know, like that's kind of how it works with me and my clients is like when you say it out, when you focus on like the micro thing, it alleviates the pressure of having to know everything, all, all the answers already all at once, especially if it's like a generational wound. How are you supposed to know? Right. So if you, if you focus on the micro thing, then it's like, oh, I feel where this is coming from. I feel it in my body. It's actually tied to this thing. Oh, I'm feeling it bigger, bigger, bigger. I, it feels bigger than me. Then maybe it's generational, right? So that's like like a hacks, I guess. That's why I feel like it's like a hack <laughs> um, where you're kind of like, I don't know all the answers, but when you speak, when you, when you put like energy behind it, your body will give you the answer. It will react in a way. So you're like, oh, I know where this comes from, or I have greater understanding of where, where to start sleuthing around in my, <laughs> in my memories and my trauma. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much um, the scarcity stuff that I have for you. Hopefully the examples that I used were helpful. Um, and the ways to work through it were helpful. Um, and know that, like I said, it's a process. You're going to be learning new things all the time. You're going to be integrating new things all the time as you heal other areas of your life or work on this. It will create more spaciousness. Like for me, like how I said this year, very, very open for this space to be healed <laughs> right around scarcity. Um, and know that like all the things, the different types of scarcity that I listed are not the end all be all there's different types of scarcity um so just be like gentle with yourself as you move through this and as you're like understanding this and yeah I'm really excited for you all to feel safer and feel more stable and and feel like scarcity is less of a real issue in your life (laughs) Um, I don't know. I'm just feeling kind of like sentimental today, I guess. Um, so until next time, everyone, bye. And don't remember, or don't remember, and remember to share and subscribe or, oh my God, (laughs) my inner YouTuber, like, share, and subscribe. Um, remember to share with your friends, please. And to rate the podcast, leave a review. That's just like, that's like the best way you can support us. Um, so thank you. Bye.
If you love Witchy and Weird podcasts, support us by donating monthly for as little as 99 cents at anchor.fm slash witchyandweird slash support. You can cancel at any time and 100% of the proceeds go directly to the pod. Or if you don't want to commit to a monthly donation, buy Amanda a coffee at ko-fi.com slash witchyandweird to help fuel them while they record, edit, create, and upload content for the podcast. And if you're feeling extra generous, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and tell your witchy and weird friends about us too. Bye!